I am here with Jake from Pettit Pastures, and Jake contacted me and said, hey, I have this uh, dairy farm, and we do, uh, no, we have a grass-fed beef farm, not dairy, but I'm interested if you want to hear about it. I was like, yes, I want to hear about it. I'm obsessed with farming and the idea of farming. So, Jake, tell me about how it is that you got started, because I have no sense of how you would start a farm. Sure. So... Uh, my father and I run the the business together, yep. and uh, we kind of got started. We were working uh, together in the construction industry, um, and he was going to retire, and he had been born and raised on a dairy farm sure, uh, and wanted to get back into farming, kind of missed that, knew that would be something he wanted to do during did, his retirement. Did you remember that and what that was like? Had you been born then? Yeah, yeah, but we, he was still on the dairy farm until I was about 10. So did you have fond memories of being on the farm? Yeah. Yep. And we've always kind of been outdoors people and, yep. and enjoy doing that. So so you decide, okay, dad wants to do this with me. What's the next step? So we were looking for a farm to purchase um, and we were we found a place not too far off 169 near Malacca. For a, for a cattle farm, for a grass-fed cattle farm, is it like where it is for crops where you're paying like you know, X amount per acre? Yep. Yeah. So usually farmland is valued um, per acre, depending on whether it's tillable or non-tillable. Um, and so with grass-fed beef, you could do a mixture of some tillable and some non-tillable um, because you, you need some pastures that you can finish on and some pastures that you can run the cow-calf yep. on. So that makes the land a little bit cheaper, right? Yeah, you can yep, average that cost out a little bit better. Okay, so you go and you find this uh, cattle farm in Malacca. And I was telling you earlier, my only I have this fantasy of like the pioneer woman and she's got the Marlboro Man and they have this wildly successful farm. So how do you find like, okay, you get the land and then how long did it take you to prep it before you could actually get animals? Um, we, we got animals within probably the first six months. Um, and that first year, of course, you're, you're trying to build fence and, um, plant the tillable land back into annual, um, or back into perennial, uh, forages, you know, it it had all been corn and soy. Um, so trying to get that stuff switched over, it's a mad scramble there for the first couple of years. How did you know what to plant? Um, a lot of reading, a lot of research, um, the grass-fed industry is expanding quite a bit right now, and there's a lot of uh, conferences that go on every year that we go to and, mm-hmm. and uh, try to learn what other people are doing in the industry. Did you have a budget? Like, okay, we're going to spend, <laughs> you know, X amount of thousands of dollars to buy this land? and uh, Yes and no. I mean, obviously, we have, you know, the perfect world scenario, and then you kind of work towards that with, with the uh, the money that you can spend that year. Is it like a regular business where everything costs more than you think it's going to? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a budget and then it's like, oh, darn it. Yeah. Did you do a business plan? We did. Yeah, we did a business plan. We got um, So when we did our loan, we did a loan for 
the land itself and then also money to purchase cattle, um, a tractor and, you know, some money to start with the fencing. That had to be pretty nerve wracking because I'm imagining that's a fairly sizable loan. Yeah, it, it was. Um you know, and luckily we've always kind of dealt with a small town bank and um, they were really willing to work with us. So at, looking back on it, it probably went easier than it should have. <laughs> yeah, because I had a small business and I mean, I had a great business plan and I even had money in the bank and I went to try to get money and they were like, yeah, sure. And here you can sign away your house as collateral. Yeah. Um, and we did. We did that, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just it wasn't easy to get money. Um, so you're with your dad, you've got your loan, you go out. Did you have a farmhouse on your land or was it just Uh, land? There is a farmhouse on the land, um, which no one really lives in. My dad stays there. Um, my dad and mom live up on Leech Lake. Yep. Um, so my dad stay and mom stay in the farmhouse quite a bit, uh, but no one technically lives there full time. Right. Okay. So there's all different kinds of cattle, right? And and cattle has become sort of more fashionable, I guess, as it were. We hear about the limousine cattle. How, did you know, like, this is the kind of cattle that's going to be good for grass-fed beef? Yeah, so through some research um, that, that I had done, I knew that we wanted a smaller framed cattle, which means that they're not as big. Um, so, like, your average black Angus cow that, that is raised for beef is probably around 1,300 pounds, you know, it could go anywhere from 1,200 to 1,600, but probably around 1,300 is average. Um, there's kind of an offshoot of that called low-line Angus. And um, a purebred low-line Angus is going to weigh like 800 pounds. Uh-huh. So we kind of went with a mix of those two, um, and we're shooting for that, like, mature cow weight of right around 1,000 pounds. Um, so it wasn't really necessarily the breed so much as the size. Okay. And the size because why? Why Be- was that important? Uh, because of ease of finishing on grass within um, 30 months. The USDA, uh, once an animal's over 30 months old, they won't let uh, you do any bone-in cuts. It has okay. to be all boneless. So that 30-month mark is kind of a, you have to get your animals finished under that. Okay. So 30 months from the time it's a calf to the time you're going to, we'll say, process it versus kill it, because that's not as nice, right. the time to process it. Um, what are they doing in the meantime? Are they, like, hanging out? Is it, like, I know dairy farmers, like, you got to get up and milk the cows, and you got to milk the cows in the evening. Is it more self-sufficient than that? Um, it, yeah, it's more self-sufficient than dairy, for sure. Um, but, so, with us, our our cows calve in the spring. We'll be calving here in about three, four weeks. And how many do you have? Um, this year we should have around 30, 32 calves somewhere in there. Oh, so you have a um, big herd. Yeah. Yep. It's getting bigger all the time. Uh, and so then we will keep the calf, um, on its mother, meaning drinking milk from its mother. Uh, we keep our calves on the cow for 10 months and that helps them fully develop. Um, most beef that's out there is they keep it on for like five or six months and okay. then wean it off. Um, so all of our cows, uh, the cow calves and the finishing um, ones, we rotationally graze. So that means we're moving them every day to a new pasture. Every um, day, huh? Yeah. The finishers was sometimes moving twice a day. Um, but so in the spring, we'll kind of run them all together in one big herd and just keep moving them around. And then. And when you're moving them, you're doing it with fencing, right? Yeah. So we have perimeter fencing. Um, and then we will. You, they call it poly wire. It's on a reel. You can reel it up. And so you reel it out. You put in step in posts and you um, a lot off the size 
area for the amount of food they need and how much you want them to eat and how much you want them to leave. And then you move them to the next part. Yep. And then you move them and then you just move them on. And uh, it actually, they get into a routine and they end up knowing that they're going to better uh, forage all the time. And so it, it, it's not as much work as it as it sounds. They're kind of excited because they know yeah. it's like fresh grass. Right. Yep. They they work with you. It's it's amazing how quick they pick up on it. So. Are they smart? They are. Yeah. Yep. They um they know what they need for nutrition, and you know, but we try to have really diverse pastures for one that helps the soil, helps the microorganisms in the soil, um, and it also lets the cows uh, adjust their diet as they need. They know how much protein they need. How you know what minerals are lacking, and the every, cows know. They they do, yeah. They they can tell. Like yep. just physiologically, their body knows. Just like if you're thirsty, you know you're thirsty. Like that kind of. Yeah, that's exactly. Amazing. You can put out um, minerals like free choice minerals. They'll call, and you might have fifteen or sixteen different minerals in just in like little boxes as much, and the cows can take as much as they want, and they know how to adjust their body by just you know taking so much of this one cool. and so much of that one. Yeah, I mean, it's animals are a lot better off with their nutrition than we are. Okay, and this is like a really weird question because, of course, I want to anthropomorphize these people, like or these calves. Mm-hmm. Do you have like names for them? Do they feel personal to you? Uh, we don't have names for them. There, we have ear tags, and they're all numbered. But yeah, I mean, we know like uh, you know this calf is is from this cow, and this yeah. cow is from this other cow. You know, so sort of yes. And do you ever get ones that are, like, nasty and just mean? You know, we haven't. Obviously, with cattle, you do. Um, the low-line breed is is known to, for its, for being docile, um, and, and we haven't. Even our bulls, I'm, I mean, obviously, it only takes one time, but you, you can walk right up to them. We've never had any issues with ours. Because they're huge. Yeah, I mean, ours aren't. You'd be surprised um, at the difference— between a 1,300-pound cow and a 1,000-pound cow. Yeah, because it didn't sound like that different. Right. It doesn't sound like that much different, but when you stand up to them and their back is maybe at your you know, your elbow or, or your lower shoulder, whereas on a 1,300-pound cow, their back is going to be up at your eyes. Yeah. It makes a big difference on how much you <laughs> perceive them. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got about how many cows now total, do you think? Uh, we probably have around 100 total head on the farm right now. And so right away, once you were able to finish them, and finish them is a nice way to say kill them yeah. and take them to, uh, do you take them to a processing plant? Yeah, we do. We we get them processed at a USDA um, processing facility. Do the USDA guys come to your farm like almost every day? Like The USDA never comes to your farm. They don't? No, okay. they are at the, the, meat, pro- processing the meat processor. Plant. Yep. And so there's, you can have them processed Custom, which means they're not inspected or only annually by the state, um, but then you can't sell that meat, right? Right. So, or you can have it state inspected, which is is like USDA inspected, except you can't sell it outside the state that you buy it or that you get inspected in, and then USDA inspected, which is kind of the highest level, and that um, makes it available for you know to sell to restaurants or to sell however you. And it. what state are you in at this point for the, your USDA certification? We're 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 certified. All our animals are USDA certified. We could okay. sell them across state lines and and everything. 
Now, one of the things that's interesting about you is you're selling your meat direct through a website. Yes. What made you decide to do that versus like finding a restaurant relationship or going to a butcher? So we do have a restaurant relationship as well. You yeah. do? Yeah. And so we kind of do both. What restaurant? Do both. Uh, the Main Street Farmer in Elberville. Okay. Yeah. Or St. Michael, I should say. Sure. Um, so yeah, we've had a great relationship with them for about a year and a half and we're in talks with a couple other restaurants uh, as we speak right now. So is that better to like find a relationship like that and they you know they're going to take X amount of cows throughout the year than the direct sales that you're trying to do on your website? Um, it's different. I don't know if it's better or worse. It's nice that you have nice, steady, fairly steady, stable income. Although the restaurant business is a yeah. risky business as well. Um, but before we had the restaurant and just sold. To direct to consumer, we only harvested in the spring, summer, and fall. Yep. You know, which is the easier time to to get animals finished. When we got the restaurant, obviously they want year round um, supply, so that was a challenge that we we had to get figured out. And and uh, how did you figure well. it out? How did you keep grass growing to graze them in the winter? Well, so obviously you can't keep it growing in Minnesota, um, but we've switched to doing uh, baleage, which is wet hay that ferments. It's wrapped after you. You cut it, bale it shortly after, usually around 50 to 60% moisture. Then you wrap it and it ferments, um, and that holds more the nutrients in. Um, it's not as good as when it's green and yeah. growing, but it's about the best substitute that we can find. Um, and so now we, we feed them a mixture of high-quality dry hay and the high-quality baleage, um, and that's kind of how we got around that issue. Okay. And... You know, you see these movies about like these meat packing plants and they're pushing these sickly cows down the conveyor belt. Obviously, that's not anything about what you're doing. But when you're feeding, explain to me for the layperson about the stomach of a cow and why grass fed actually makes a significant difference versus a corn fed cow. Sure. So cows are ruminants, um, which means they have four stomachs. Uh, one of their stomachs is called a rumen. Um, and they were they evolved or God created however you want to say it uh, them to digest forages. So people can't digest uh, lignin, which is uh, which is what's in the forest, cellulose mm-hmm. and lignin, which is what's in the grass and in clovers and all that. Um, and cows, because of their rumen, can um, the cow actually doesn't do the digesting. It's microbes in the rumen that digest the grass and create proteins um, and fats for the cows that that they can then absorb. Uh, and so when you when a cow eats grain, the acidity in its stomach raises, and that kills off those microbes that can digest the forage, mm-hmm. um, and then it creates a whole line of health problems for the cattle. Um, but it's just not the way that they were designed or they were evolved. Yeah. And one of the things, like I remember when um, cattle, when we first saw grass-fed beef, it was, I don't want to say it wasn't as good, but it was different. It was gamier, tougher, not as easy to cook. Yeah, so grass-fed beef can be its own worst enemy. Um, it's not all created equally. It's not just having some pasture and letting the cows out mm-hmm. on pasture and then saying, oh, they're this age, let's go harvest them. Um, they still need to be finished. It's You still have to work with them to get them finished right. One of the main things that really adds quality is the soil health and improving the soil health. So kind of everything that we're doing on the farm is not just for the beef. You're always considering what it's doing to the soil. Um, when when we bought our farm, we had 
the soil on average was about 1.5% organic matter, mm-hmm. um, and that was in 2012. Last year when we sampled, we were about 3% organic matter. Mm-hmm. So we've ra- we've doubled it in, in uh, five or six years there, which is great, but we still you know have a long way to keep going. Um, what would be ideal? What percentage? Well, they, they say that the prairies were like 9 to 10%. Oh, okay. um, I know Gabe Brown, who's a big... Um, farmer out in North Dakota has been able to get his average up to, I think, seven, and he's got a couple fields that are at 11. So no one really knows, you know, where ideal is, but you, but you need need to keep striving to, to improve it. So some people are doing, um, like, if you go to Birch Steak in Minneapolis, you can have a grass-fed steak, you can have a corn-fed steak, or you can have a grass-fed corn-finished steak. Why are people corn-finishing grass-fed beef, and do you do that? We don't. No. So we're certified by the American Grass-Fed Association, Mm -hmm. um, and we follow their standards. They send an auditor out to the farm every year uh, to make sure that we do. So you can't feed any grain at all. It's a a 100% forage-based diet. Um, There's really no difference between what somebody's calling a corn-fed steak and a grass-fed corn-finished steak. Really? Um, No. All, or not all, but the vast majority of cattle... Cow calf operations, the the cow and calf graze pastures, and then um, once the calf is weaned, they send them to a feedlot to finish on grain. Right. So that's, I mean, it's a, it's really the the same thing. Okay, because um, it makes it seem like oh that lasts like couple days they get corn just to make them taste a little better. Yeah, yeah, and that's a marketing thing, a I myth. guess. Yeah. yeah. So the reason that people do grain is for one, um, we have cheap grain here; it's subsidized. Yeah. Um, and it's easy. You know, you can punch in a calculator. My my steer weighs this much. I want them to weigh this much. It'll tell you, you know, in this many days, it tells you how many pounds of grain to give them. It's it's uh, not physically easy, but mentally, it's a very easy formula. And so we subsidize, um, as a government, the processing of grain and corn. And um, I'm imagining that you don't get subsidies for grass. No, you don't. You don't get subsidies for grass. There are uh, certain programs out there once in a while if you're improving the land or if you're improving water quality mm-hmm. or something like that that you can get some cost share programs on. But, yeah, there's no crop insurance for grass or, or anything like that. Which is sort of unfortunate because you want to try to reclaim the soil and you want to improve its health, and yet there's no subsidies or no benefits really for people to do what it is that you're doing. It's more of a lifestyle choice and then knowing can you sell the beef. Um, when you're, so you're selling, you have a website and you sell direct to consumer as well as you have a couple of these restaurant relationships. Were you surprised? Like I always meet people and they like, yeah, and then we have a website, but having a website, unless people go there means nothing. So building the website is stage one and then you have to market it. How have you learned how to market your website to get customers to it? Uh, trial and error. It's, it's kind of, so you know, most people that get into farming do it because they like to farm. Mm-hmm. And, and liking to farm doesn't necessarily translate with liking to market. Yeah. It, it, but it's it's kind of like two separate businesses, but they're equally important. Um, and so, you, you know, the way we've done it is trying to get out there on social media as much as possible, um, even though it might not be the most fun or, or really what you, you know, want to spend your time doing. But we've realized that you have to constantly 
try to keep getting your name out there. The cows are cute. <laughs> Thanks. I like your social media. Whenever you post, I'm like, oh, there's a cute cow, and I'll bring me a steak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, the calves will be born here soon, so you'll start seeing some more cute pictures And you coming. sell a quarter, a half, or a whole cow? We do. We also sell uh, smaller sampler packs um, as well as individual cuts. And do you do SEO, or how do you get uh, in front of people on the Internet? Yeah, we do SEO. Um do some Facebook targeted stuff. Um, has Instagram. that been effective to buy yeah. and boost ads? It has. Um, we don't do like huge spends, but you know, just a little bit here and there seems to to go a long way. And then with us, it's word of mouth. If if you sell, you know, one thing that, like you said, that some grass fed is good and some's not good. If you, if you sell um, a cow before it's finished, you know, turning off one customer can can really hurt you because the word of mouth in this. Business yeah. spreads very quickly. And what, like, does it make sense for you to be at a farmer's market or something like that? Uh, that's a route a lot of businesses or farm businesses go. For us, it hasn't um, just because I work full-time off the farm. Oh, wait, you have a full-time <laughs> job too in addition to? Right. Yep. And so just the time commitment to do that wasn't really the, the route that we wanted to go. Yeah. And we've been able to do it successfully without. I know a lot of people do that, especially to start out to try to get the word out. Yeah. And um, you didn't want to work every weekend after. So when do you, right. so Monday through Friday, you do your 40-hour-a-week job, and then do you head out to the farm on the weekends? And Yep, and after work as needed. Um, you know, my dad's retired, so he's there all the time, which is really helpful. Yeah. He, do, he does a lot more of the day-to-day on the farm, and yep. I do most all of the marketing and, and, and deliveries media, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then, obviously, we we both work on the farm when needed. Um. I thought your meat was really good. Thank you. Which, you know, of course, I probably wouldn't say if it was crappy, but I would tell <laughs> you if I, you know, grass-fed beef can be gamier. It's gotten, I think, better over the years. I think the farmers have gotten better at what kind of grains and how to finish the cattle. Um, I ate some ground beef that you had, also um, a ribeye, which I think you can tell when a I think you can tell when a ribeye is a grass-fed ribeye is tough, and it wasn't at all. We just we put no seasoning on it. We just put it on the grill and ate it. Thank you. Yeah. So working, you know, and working with the restaurant when you deliver to chefs, they're very picky and yeah. very concise, and so that's really, um, you know, made us keep up our our standard and make sure you know it's kind of taught us, um, how you know, every animal is going to turn out because because you see the finished product and you get that feedback constantly. And the fat is different. There's a different type of quality to the fat. It's maybe not as unctuous in your mouth, but it's also, um, I mean, I I like kind of a leaner. I You know, I love that the flavor that fat gives, but then when I'm eating a steak, like I don't want too much of it because it's just blah. Yeah, and that's like so when we when we're working with chefs, that's the one thing we hear from them all the time is it's a little bit leaner but more flavorful, which yeah. is kind of odd, right? Because everyone says that the flavor comes from the fat, um, but the fat in grass fed beef is such a higher quality fat, um, better uh, CLAs, uh, more omega threes versus omega six ratios. Um, that there's just so much more flavor. Uh, that comes from the fat that's there that you don't need the excessive amounts of it. Um, and you know, I don't think one time that we've been told from what any of our customers that it was too lean for, for yeah. what they wanted. I, I, I was impressed. I didn't think it was at all. I thought it was just right. Um, 
When you, how much is like a whole cow? And is that literally like a thousand pound cow? Well, that would be the live weight, right? Yep. So the way we sell our bulk, which would be quarters, halves, and holes, or what we call bulk, we sell by the packaged pound. We try to make it as simple as possible for people. So that's just like if you were going to the grocery store, all yep. the, the pounds that you'd bring home from the grocery store. Uh, and a whole cow we sell for $7 a packaged pound. Um, and one of our whole cows is going to average somewhere between 350 and 400 packaged pounds. Yeah, that's just got to be a massive amount of meat. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. So but, do most like families buy you know, a quarter? You know, it depends. Uh, we have several customers that buy a whole cow every year. And uh, the, I would say probably the most popular is a half if it's a family with a couple kids yeah. and a quarter maybe if it's if it's just a two or three person family. And you get in your quarter cow, let's just say, you know, you're not getting all ribeyes. You're getting really a lot of variety. Are there cuts that people are like, oh, I don't know what to do with this? Yeah. Yep. And so there are some people don't want as many roasts or they, you know, and so we can work with them and and customize it to, to how they want. Um, a lot of people like a lot of hamburger. And yep. so if they don't want the roast, we can have that ground index or hamburger which makes really high quality hamburger yeah um and yeah i mean other than that most of the people are happy to get mo- a lot of different cuts do you eat meat every day i do yeah just because you love it and do you eat your own obviously yes and when yeah. you go to a restaurant it, do you are just like oh it's not as good yeah i mean if they have obviously if they have like grass-fed i'll, I'll get that if they don't I mean, you know, we're all people. You just have to. Yeah. You just. And can you really tell the difference? Yeah, I can. Um, And I, you know, we get that feedback from a lot of people Mm -hmm. that that you can definitely tell when it's when they run out of of, uh, beef from us and they have to go to the grocery store and get it that it's uh, they can tell the difference. Do you have a lot of repeat customers? Yeah. Most of our customers are repeat. Obviously, you get new ones all the time, but repeat customers are what what keep us going. And the do you ever like think you'll diversify your cows like will you bring different breeds on or what's the like five-year goal from now to just have more um yeah we we've we've experimented with some different breeds and uh we, we had a abrock bull which is a is a, a breed from france mm-hmm. that uh was developed in the abrock mountains of france and because of the terrain there they never really fed grain because mm-hmm. they couldn't grow it and so it had some some really good qualities but it went wasn't quite what we were looking for, so we've kind of gone back to to that low line. Um, but as far as growing, um, yeah, we we seem to keep getting bigger all the time, and uh, see how it goes. Um, oh, I just totally lost my train of thought. I had a good question for you too. Um, do you you have a son? Did you say or a I do. small child? I have a two year old son. Yeah. Okay. So is there i mean this romanticized vision of the american like farm and the family and does that appeal to you yeah i mean he already loves to go out to the farm um whenever he can and and you know we'll see how it goes he'll definitely be helping out there whether he likes yeah, it or not at some but, point right exactly um all right so it is uh pettit pastures p e t t i t that's correct yeah pastures.com for if you want to, right, we're coming into grilling season, so Absolutely, this podcast yeah. is timed very well. Thank you for reaching out to me and just sharing what it's like to have a cattle farm because I just, I was fascinated by it. I think it's really um, cool. Have you had to um, birth cattle yourself? 
We have our our cows are are pretty good. Um, we all of our cows calve out right out on pasture. We uh-huh. never bring them into the barn. Um, and in the five years that we've been calving, we've I think twice had an issue. Um, and so it's been relatively painless compared to to what you hear out there. Yeah, and what you like do that State Farm exhibit, the miracle <laughs> yeah. of birth. Yeah. Love it, but it's really freaky at yeah. times when you're standing there watching these live births. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this has been a really thank you for like I said, reaching out. It's been really interesting to hear about your farm, uh, Petit Pastures. And if you want to order a quarter, a half, or a whole, you can pick up or they will arrange for delivery. You can communicate yeah. with you directly and yeah, we we deliver for free to the Twin Cities area. Okay, awesome. Uh thanks. Thank you.